Welcome to Hackney Wick. You should be standing on the pavement outside the big glass window of a brick building with a sign above you that says Stour Space. We're going inside there in a bit, but for now, turn so Stour Space is behind you. Look out across Hackney Wick at the cranes, apartments and warehouses all around. You can't tell at first, but this neighbourhood actually has the highest concentration of artists and creatives of anywhere in the world. I'm going to take you inside Hackneywick's graffiti-covered walls and show you a real community, sharing skills and supporting each other. I'll introduce you to internationally acclaimed artists, we'll hear about late-night parties, and we'll visit a neighbourhood bar to drink beer straight from the tank. My name's William Chamberlain, and unlike everyone else you'll meet on this walk, I'm not an artist. I'm actually a lawyer. Well, a former lawyer, anyway. I know, I know, not the kind of person you'd expect to show you around a place like this. But since I moved to Hackneywick in 2008, most of my waking hours have been spent using the skills of my past to help the artist community here. You see, in 2005, London won the bid for the 2012 Olympic Games, and they decided to build the Olympic Park just across the canal from where we're standing. The team that worked on the bid said the Olympics would rejuvenate East London, some of which was pretty economically deprived and needed the help. But there was an artist community tucked away in these buildings all around you that I felt might be at risk of being passed by if they didn't band together. And that's where I came in. I quit my job as a lawyer and made it my mission to create an organisation that aims to keep art and creativity at the heart of Hackneywick. For now, let's get moving. We're going to start inside one of my favourite places in Hackneywick, a place that embodies everything I'm talking about. Stour space. Turn back around and let's go inside. Once you've taken a few steps inside, stop and I'll meet you there. OK, are you with me inside? This is the main exhibition hall of Stour Space. You'll see there's a wider open space ahead and to your left, past the staircase. That's a gallery space. Go and have a wander around. Take a look at the artworks. Don't worry, you're more than welcome here. It was a disused factory until 2009, but now it's a not-for-profit exhibition, performance and studio space. The works here change regularly. They're often by local artists, so they'll give you a good idea of the kind of talent we have here in Hackneywick. Truthfully, art isn't something I thought about a lot before moving to this area, but living here and interacting with the community has really made me reflect on it. Art's often treated like a frivolous, throwaway luxury, but even if we're just focusing on the economics of it all, art and the creative industries contribute around £27 billion to the British economy each year. And more than $700 billion each year in the US, which is a lot. But it's not just about money. I think that, at its best, art disrupts our day-to-day -day drudgery and takes us to a higher plane. Through the risks artists take, they make something that feeds our souls and links us to each other. It's the ultimate communication tool, so it's vital that society as a whole supports artists in areas like Hackneywick, not just because it's nice to support the arts, but because all of us, even if it's just from a self-interested perspective, benefit from having art in our lives. Right, I'll get off my soapbox now. Let's head on through to the cafe and take a seat, preferably one with a view through the window if there's one free. If it's a nice day, you could even sit outside on the terrace if you like. It's OK. They know about this detour, and they won't mind you sitting here for a few minutes. Are you sitting down? Good. 
Look out the window across the canal. That's the impressive 60,000-seater Olympic Stadium. It's mainly used for football now, home of West Ham United, East London's biggest football or soccer club. But back in 2012, it was the centrepiece of London's Olympic Games. You might remember James Bond and the Queen parachuting into that stadium during the opening ceremony. Well, the Olympics is what first brought me to Hackneywick. I actually worked on the bid for London to host the Games. This scene we're looking at now was very different in 2005. Where the stadium stands today, there was a 20-foot-tall mountain of old fridges. It was Europe's biggest dump for discarded electrical goods, and it was surrounded by neglected waterways full of weeds and rubbish, all set next to one of London's largest industrial estates. Things have always changed fast around here. Even the artists aren't exactly natives of Hackneywick. They started to arrive in the late 90s and inadvertently created something quite unlike anywhere else in London. But before they arrived, as we shall see, Hackney Wick was an industrial area. OK, before we stand up, I'm going to give you the option to explore Star Space a bit more. If you'd like, after I finish speaking, you can grab yourself a coffee or a snack to go. The cake's particularly good here. So if you'd like to get something, or just have a general look around, pause me now and press play when you're back outside the entrance and ready to continue. I'll meet you there. You should be outside the main entrance to the Star Space Gallery. With your back to Star Space, you'll see that the road branches left and right. We're going to take the right-hand branch and walk all the way up this road on the right-hand side. Let's go. We call this side of Hackneywick Fish Island because most of the roads are named after fish. You're currently walking on Roach Road. Now, as I said earlier, Hackneywick's past is industrial. The warehouses you'll see all over the area were built for pioneering businesses in Britain's Industrial Revolution. Petroleum and plastic were invented around here, and later the printing industry took over, and Hackneywick became known as Printer's Paradise. Soon you'll see a big chimney on your right. Stop there. Stop here on the sidewalk when you're level with the chimney. It's impressive, isn't it? It was put up in 1893 as part of the brickworks that used to be on this site. After it was a brickworks, the building beside this chimney, just to the right, was turned into the M.K. Carlton Shoe Factory, hence the name Carlton on the chimney. You can still buy Carlton shoes in shops all round the world. And now it's flats but by keeping this chimney they've managed to preserve a link to Hackneywick's past, and I think that's important because it reminds you that this area was once an industrial powerhouse. After the decline of British industry in the mid-20th century, a bunch of derelict warehouses and factories were left behind. With their high ceilings, big windows and cheap rents, they were ideal spaces for visual artists to move into. OK, let's get moving. Facing the chimney, turn left and carry on walking up Roach Road the same direction you were heading before. There's a bridge at the end of the street and we're going to use it to cross the canal. Back to 2005. I first came here to take photos of the proposed site for the stadium and the Olympic Park. I remember thinking what an incredible wilderness it was, set against all these fabulous warehouses. At that point, I didn't know about the thriving community behind these walls. You see, if you don't know a place's story, you don't know its value. And it seemed that there were a whole host of people involved with the Olympic bid, myself included, who had no idea there was an amazing artistic community here that needed to be taken into account in the future plans for the area. 
Up ahead on the left, you should see a ramp going up to a bridge. Cross to the left-hand side of the street and head up that ramp. Even in 2008, when I moved to Hackneywick, I still didn't know what was going on here artistically. I actually came to this area because its transport links make it ideal for getting out of London quickly. Head up the ramp and cross the bridge. In 2008, I left my job as a lawyer too. It was a controversial move. You see, my father was a lawyer, and his father was a lawyer, and his father too. Four generations, but I never really enjoyed it. I was like a square peg in a round hole. So after moving here, I was ready for a fresh challenge. I just didn't know what it was. As we cross the bridge, look to your left. If it's a clear day, you'll see the skyscrapers of London's financial district looming in the distance. Do you see them? Then to your right, you can see the junction of the Hackney Cut Canal and the Hartford Union Canal. Then the Olympic Park beyond. OK, turn right here and stop when you reach the bottom of the ramp, next to the water. The canals round here were originally used to move goods to and from the factories in Hackneywick's industrial prime. But after the death of industry, the waterways became neglected. When I moved to Hackneywick, there were no boats moored anywhere around here. You can see just by looking around you how much that's changed. The boats are only allowed to stay in each spot for a few weeks before they have to move on. They're one of many transitory things in this neighbourhood. When you get to the canal path, walk forward five steps or so and then stop by the grass, out of the way of other people using the path. Look down at the grass that lines the canal. Do you see some miniature statues? Have a good look. They're metallic coloured and about a foot in height. Hopefully you've managed to find the one of a mini camel. Past that there are some statues of people. They're sculptures by the street artist Jonesy. Some boat owners use them as mooring rings. Art's everywhere in this neighbourhood if you keep your eyes open. You've probably already seen some graffiti. Well, we'll be seeing a lot more of it on our walk. For now, let's get moving. Turn so your back's to Jones's camel statue and the canal. Do you see the gate leading onto the terrace? That's the entrance to the White Post Cafe. Head through that gate and turn left onto the terrace. At the far end of the terrace, you'll find the entrance to the White Post Cafe. Head inside and walk straight across the room to the exit at the end of the bar. Don't worry, we're allowed to go through here. Just walk carefully around the tables towards the exit to the left of the bar. It's on the far side of the room. And don't forget to give the bar staff a smile and a wave if they make eye contact. This is the insider's way to the other side of Hackneywick. Once you've made your way across the room, you'll see a fire exit style door in the corner. There's a short ramp on the other side. Head through there. Once you're through the door and down the ramp, head for the doors in front of you, so you're leaving the building. When you get outside in the open square, stop and I'll meet you there. OK, are you with me? Great. Stand with your back to the door you've just come out of, out of the way of people coming and going to the cafe. Look up at that big brown brick building straight in front of you. See the graffiti teeth at the very top left of the building? That's by an artist called Sweet Tooth, and that mouth is his signature. You'll see his work along with hundreds of other street artists all around Hackneywick. So as we go, keep your eye out for more teeth.
A lot of incredible artists live in this building too, but I remember it as the place where I got my first taste of what Hackney Wick is really all about. Shortly after moving here, I saw flyers and posters appearing for this thing called Hackney Wicked, so I went along to check it out, and what I saw knocked me sideways. Hackney Wicked turned out to be a neighbourhood-wide arts festival and party. 2008 was the first year it had ever been held. I want you to imagine it. People throwing open the doors of their studios all around where you're standing. Parties, art shows and live music, day and night, over one glorious summer weekend. Look up to the rooftop. In later festivals, there was a stage up there where bands played. And there was another stage where the cafe is behind us. It was incredible. And it was such an eye-opening event for me because the whole community, artists, gallerists, all different types of makers and designers in Hatnewick were there shouting to the world, here we are, not waiting for permission to get their work noticed. And what they had to show that weekend was inspiring. Step back so you can get a good look at the wall to your left, the one with all the graffiti. I want to give you an idea of some of the amazing talent this area produces. The art changes here all the time, so I don't know what's here today. But go ahead and use Detour's camera feature to take a photo of your favourite piece. Just tap the camera icon on your screen. You can share something from this neighbourhood with the world without leaving the Detour app. OK, with your back to the door you came out of, we're going to walk straight under the building in front of us and down the graffiti-strewn lane. Let's go. The revelation I had here on that weekend back in 2008 was actually bittersweet. I had a feeling that the creative community wasn't going to be included in the future plans for the area. I mean, if I didn't know about this incredible community, how could I expect anyone else to? That's when I had the idea that with my background in law, talking to different people and making convincing arguments, I could help the artists coordinate and get their message out there, to tell people about what they'd created in this neighbourhood. But I had to reach out to the artists to get the ball rolling, and to be fair, organising artists can sometimes be a little bit like herding cats. Coming up on your left will be some interesting street art. When I was last here, there was a typewriter attached to the wall, but it might be different today. OK, stop here. Take a look at the street art just to your left. It took me around six months to get to know the artists in the area. I went to exhibitions, gallery openings, and just chatted with my neighbours. Spending time here with artists and makers made me realise they can sometimes be exploited by people who claim to be helping them. So some of them were quite suspicious of me getting involved at first, but eventually enough trust was built up to take the first vital step. In May 2009, myself and a few influential artists and makers from the area set up a not-for-profit community interest company that could run the Hackney Wicked Art Festival on an annual basis. This would give the area and its artists much needed exposure. You should see a road up ahead of us at the end of the alleyway we've been walking on. That's White Post Lane. Start walking towards it. As you approach White Post Lane, look for cars. We're going to cross straight over the road here, but there's no crosswalk, so please be careful and cross when it's safe. When you've crossed the road, turn right and keep walking, keeping the road on your right. We're heading in the direction of the bridge over the canal up ahead of you. The global economic crash hit around the same time I was trying to gain the trust of the artists and build our group. Many of the warehouses that were set to be sold for development, like the ones to your right and left, suddenly didn't have buyers anymore. It actually helped the cause of the artist community because it gave us more time to organise. 
we use the time to create a networking organisation that bridges the gap between the artist community, government and businesses. Politicians and business people aren't used to talking to artists and vice versa. It's almost like they speak different languages. I wanted to bring them together so the opinions of the artists could be heard by the key decision makers in the neighbourhood. We're coming up to the bridge now. We're not going across it though. We're going to turn left just before the bridge through a doorway in a brick wall which leads to some steps. Head through that doorway and down the steps. So turn left down these steps. As you make your way down, the canal will be on your right. The building on your left is Crate Brewery. OK, stop here. With Crate Brewery on your left and the canal to your right, turn to face the steps you just walked down. To the right of those steps is a wall. If you look carefully, you'll see that in that wall there's a large hole. There used to be a piece by the world's most famous street artist, Banksy, right there. It got nicked though, stolen, pinched, hence the hole. A different Banksy painting got stolen from a wall nearby and ended up in an expensive art auction. It's probably in a private collection now. Isn't that the ultimate irony? Art made for free, left to be enjoyed by everyone, suddenly worth millions of quid and spending its days in a billionaire's mansion. Actually, rumour has it that Banksy used to have a studio around here. Maybe he still does. Since most people don't know his identity, you might even have walked past him today. Anyway, take a seat on one of the crate brewery benches if there's one free, or else just lean up against the railing by the water's edge. Facing the water, have a look at the bridge over the canal, just on your right. Down to your right on this near side, you should spot a painting of a dog with a scuba mask. Can you see it? It's on the right-hand side at the foot of the bridge, just above the water. That's by a local street artist friend of mine, Teddy Baden. Here he is to tell you a bit more about it. Hi, my name's Teddy Baden. I'm an artist living and making work in Hackneywick. If you look over the canal, you'll see a chihuahua wearing a snorkel and mask. His neck is popping out from the water and you can see his mask and his snorkel. This piece is called Diver Dog and I spray painted that on a Christmas day. To reach this position, I had to use a small rowboat, which I borrowed off a friend. <laughs> I remember being there. I'd had a few beers as well, and I was wobbling around on this little boat, trying to execute my piece. There was a bit of flapping around, trying to avoid going in the water. Yeah, it's good fun. The beauty of this one is that it's hard to reach for anyone else to try to go over. I mean, you could if you really tried, and I hope no one does, but that's the beauty of executing the piece. You had to go through a bit of hardship to get it there in the first place. It is frustrating if you've spent time and money doing a street piece for people to go over it. Like, I've had it gone over even, like, ten minutes later, you know what I mean? The frustration is there. You might have taken a while designing it and implementing it. You buy your own aerosol cans and stuff like that. You even risk getting arrested, you know, in certain times. But I can also see that the nature of street art, you can't be too controlling over anything within the public domain. I've been living and working in Hackneywick for a long time now and in that time I've seen lots of changes socially and to the landscape. There was a lot of abandoned premises and warehouses where industry moved out and artists are often opportunists, you know, and the cheaper rent and the make-do attitude, the DIY culture of plumbing in your own shower and putting up your own walls and building your own quarters meant you could survive here quite well and live an untouched life and continue your artistic practice. It felt like a bit of a hidden gem. 
another thing in Hackney Wick is the sharing community. So as an artist existing here, uh, you know, I get offered work by other artists, you know, assisting jobs and things like that, woodwork. Uh, can I build stretches? Can I stretch canvas? If I need a certain tool, there's going to be someone nearby that's got it. And I think it's the same with the industry as well. It's like this symbiotic existence between these different areas of life. And it's happened by magic. It's not been contrived. Thanks, Teddy. Even though it's in a rather inaccessible spot, Diver Dog may have been painted over. If so, Take a look at your phone now and you'll see a photo of what it looked like. There's some other street art on the bridge as well as Teddy's work. Look up to the canal bridge, to the stone column directly above Teddy's diver dog piece. On top of that column, there are two security cameras. Do you see them? Notice how they're angled towards each other, completing a heart shape, not watching you, but each other. Those love-struck security cameras are by Ekta, a Swedish artist based in Gothenburg. Their work has been exhibited all over Europe. Like Jones's statues earlier, street art isn't just about graffiti. Right, let's get going. With the canal on your right, start walking. Hopefully you can resist the temptation to join the drinkers inside Crate Brewery. Stick with me. I promise we're going to stop for a drink in a few minutes, just around the corner. And you'll be able to get a bite to eat there too if you want. OK, let's turn left down the side of Crate Brewery. We're coming into an area called Queen's Yard. It's home to a mix of creative types, from beer brewers to furniture makers and painters to coffee roasters. Oh, and on your right, there's a company that makes exotic-themed tiki bars. You get a bit of everything around here. When you get into the open space, turn left and head towards that big, brown, brick building, joined to the white building that we've just walked around. You can't miss it. It's the largest building in the yard on the left. Stop right outside the large wooden doors with the big orange 9A sign above them. This is the entrance to Howling Hops Bar. Make sure you're safely out of the way of cars and people. All right, turn so your backs to the large wooden doors and look across the yard. In a bit, we're going to walk around and talk to some of the makers here, if you fancy it. But first, let's get some Dutch courage. If it's past midday, we'll go into the Howling Hops Bar behind you. If you're taking this walk in the morning, you'll have to listen to this here. Howling Hops is the first and only bar in London where you buy beer straight from the tanks. I suggest ordering a flight of beer. Flights are £7.50 and for that you get to taste five different small glasses of beer. If you don't fancy going in, you can look at photos of the interior of the bar and the artwork on the tanks on your phone now. OK, ready to go in? If so, pause me now. Then press play when you're sitting down with your beer and you're ready to continue. Got your drink? All settled in your seat? Great. Howling Hops has been brewing beer here since 2016. Before they moved here, they were in a pub basement, but they needed more space so they could expand. Hackney Wick, with its big warehouses and thirsty artists, was the perfect place for them to set up shop. Plus, as you'll hear later, Hackney Wick has a long history of after-hours revelry which suits a place like this well. Howling Hops use four main ingredients to make their beer. Water, hops, yeast and malt. They don't filter or pasteurise. They don't need to because the beer you're drinking comes straight from the brewery behind the tanks here. So what you have in your hand right now is probably one of the freshest glasses of ale you're ever likely to drink. 
you can get a closer look at the actual brewery behind the tanks on the way to the toilets. The beers they sell are always changing, but in general, they're defined by their really hoppy, fresh flavours. They're much hoppier than traditional British ales and beers. Other than the delicious beer, another reason I wanted to take you here is because this place embodies the spirit of the artist community. Let me show you what I mean. Do you see the artwork on the tanks behind the bar? Well, that's all done by a local graphic designer. It's impressive, isn't it? A local metal company made the stools you're sitting on, and they also made the metal steps and doors you'll walk up when we leave through the other door. Even the wooden holders of your beer flight came from a local carpenter. Many of the customers here are local artists and makers. This venue is often used as a setting for local filmmakers and photographers to make work, exhibit their stuff, or just have a creative meeting over a beer or four. You've probably also seen or smelled their kitchen in the corner, run by Billy Smokes. Their food sits somewhere between a smoky Texan food truck and a typical British barbecue. This building doesn't just house the brewery though. Above where you're sitting are loads of artist studios, painters, sculptors, illustrators and many more, working away right now. Let's hear from one of them. This is my friend Annette Zira. As you listen to her, take a look at your phone. You'll see different examples of her work on the screen. Hello, welcome to Hackney Wick. My name's Annette Zira. I'm an artist. I make things, and I make them right above where you're sitting now. From the very beginning, I've loved colour, and painting for me is very much like play, in a sense. But it's play that leads somewhere. So in the beginning, I used to paint wildly and be in love with what I saw on the wall. Go out, make a cup of tea, come back in and think, oh my God, how could this have happened? This is terrible. And then I had the idea of cutting them up. And that sounds like a violent act, but it wasn't at all. I'd got all these hideous paintings, so I started cutting them up and remaking them as collages. And that was such fun because I could take these familiar friends that I had made and painted and turn them into something that pleased me as opposed to horrified me. So that's where I started and that's where I came from. And now the work I'm doing is much more sculptural with mixed medias and pieces that I feel are kind of growing out of the wall at me and hopefully dancing. My intimate knowledge with Hackney Wick dates back to the 70s. I used to come here then and there were artists here then, even that long ago. But my overall impression was of a tremendously poor place somewhere that was quite forgotten. And there's a little bit of that still left, but not much, not since the Olympics. Five summers ago, I came to an open studios as part of something called Hackney Wicked, which used to be a festival that would happen every summer. And it was a sunny day. I remember that very well. I came into this building and I thought, this really is something special. Nearly all the studios were open. There's the most incredible range of work. So I wandered around. And when I got to the fifth floor, I was looking out of the window and I just thought, well, this is where I need to be. This is where I want to be. There's just something right about it. There's definitely a presence here. There's a feeling of activity here and a mix. 
that's also part of the history that there's it's not just been artists it's been light industry there's people rubbing shoulders with each other easily one of the really delightful things that i've found since i've come here is the sharingness sharing economy the way in which people just help each other my work has changed hugely since i've been here and it's probably as much to do with the occasional conversations that I have with other artists or the work I see them doing or the artists they point me in the direction of in terms of going to an exhibition. You know, we're really trying to help each other promote our work in a more collective way, have more open studios, defend our right to be here. There is something absolutely special that if it's not cared for now, will be lost. Thanks, Annette. OK, I'm going to let you enjoy the rest of your drink. When you're done, meet me outside. But don't exit through the doors you came in. Instead, with your back to the main bar and all those massive beer tanks, walk straight ahead past all the tables to the metal steps at the end of the room. See them? Cool. OK, pause me now if you're still finishing off your drink and then press play when you're back outside and ready to continue. If you didn't go inside the bar, turn so the entrance with the big orange 9A sign is on your left and skirt round the corner of the building. Once you've rounded the building, you'll find the other entrance to Howling Hops on your left. Stop outside of that. Back with me outside? Great. With your back to the entrance of the bar, look just to your right you should be able to see a large, white, diamond-shaped sign with The Yard written on it in black lettering. The Yard signs for the local theatre. Walk towards the sign and then stop when you get to the top of the driveway. OK, stop here. Face out across the main square. You should be standing just next to that white, diamond-shaped The Yard sign we saw earlier, with the big brick Howling Hops building in front of you on the right. Look out across the main square to your left. See the big orange numbers above the entrances to each building? Well, round the corner on your far left at number 14 is Kaplan Glass, a glass and mirror manufacturing company. Next door, at 8A, is Mix Garage, Crate Brewery's warehouse, containing a kombucha bar, and the Roasting Shed, a coffee roastery business, and which turns into a club at the weekends. And then at 8B is Cheeky Tiki, the tropical theme bar makers. I can't say for certain what will be here, as, much like the graffiti and the barges, businesses on this square are always changing. If you'd like, you can speak to or just check out any of the artists' or makers' workshops that are open. They'll definitely take the time to explain what they do if you're interested. I know it seems intimidating, but don't worry. One of the many amazing things about this community is how friendly and welcoming they are to inquisitive people. So if you want to explore one of the many businesses and studios around the yard, put me on pause now and press play when you're ready to continue. Be brave and go for it. OK, if you're all done, or if you didn't fancy exploring today, no worries. We're going to head off now. So, wherever you've ended up, orient yourself so that your back is towards the white diamond-shaped sign for the yard. 
With your back to that sign, turn left and start walking. Then take the next left and follow that road out of the square and to the street beyond. Soon you should be passing Kaplan Glass on your right and a car mechanics on your left. Keep walking. Let's get back to our story. So, we've just created an organisation that aimed to bring together artists and key decision makers in the area. I worked on the Olympic bid, so I know what they promised. They were always talking about the legacy the Games would create. They gave the impression this legacy would just fall out of the sky and land on people's laps. I knew that actually, if we were going to get anything for the future of Hackneywick, we'd need to fight our corner. At the end of the alleyway, watch for traffic and then cross the road. Carry on straight down it, on the left-hand side, with the road on your right. In 2010, we applied for a grant from the Olympic Park Legacy Company to build the hackneywick.org website. Surprisingly, we actually got the funding. It's kind of like a digital directory, and it's been a really useful tool in advertising the skills and services of the community. OK, stop here. Turn and face the train station on the other side of the road. Do you see the massive red HW graffiti mural on the big wall to the right of the train station? The Hackneywick website proved to me, and to the artists here, that we could work with organisations, government and businesses to make sure our voice is heard and that this community thrives. But this mural is a good example of what can happen when local people aren't involved. That mural was commissioned by Coca-Cola in 2012, just before the Olympics. Unfortunately, whoever planned it forgot to include any local graffiti artists in the commission. They didn't reach out to the community, and as you've already heard from Teddy, it's not like there was a shortage of local street artists for them to choose from. But they just didn't think to use local talent. So although we'd made some progress in building bridges, there was still more work to be done in the communication department. There was a big ceremony for the murals unveiling back in 2012, with famous musicians and Olympic athletes performing. The night before the event, local street artists filled fire extinguishers with paint and sprayed it all over the mural. Their voices weren't heard, so, like true artists, they went out and expressed themselves visually instead. OK, let's get going again. Turn left and carry on walking down White Post Lane, the same direction you were going before. Stop when you get to the corner. There's another reason artists have flocked to this area. I mean, aside from the beautiful warehouse spaces, the nightlife. Look to your right, on the other side of the road, on the corner, do you see the Lord Napier pub? This former Victorian gym palace and pub was one of the original places for an East End Cockney Knees Up, a party. It closed its doors as a pub in 1995, but after that it enjoyed a renaissance as a venue for free parties and raves. We're going to hear some more about the Hackneywick party scene in a second. Stop on the corner across from the Lord Napier pub. With the pub on your right and the bus stop to your left, you'll be facing a slightly busier road. We're going to go straight ahead and across that road now, and then turn right once we reach the other side. Now turn right, walking towards the railway bridge. Head under the bridge, crossing over the little side street in front of you, and keep going straight. As we walk, let me introduce you to one of the real forces of Hackney Wick, an internationally acclaimed tattoo artist whose studio is just down this road. Hello, I'm Delphine Neustoy. 
I fell in love with Acne Week because at the time I was in the party scene, like proper rave party scene when Acne and London was the capital of techno and electronic music. She would arrive on the weekend and there would be ravers kind of like everywhere. Girls dressed with like sparkles and crazy outfits. Those crazy creatures, like party animals, like roaming the street from one rave to another. I think it's important to have creative people around because you have another angle of creativity to think from that inspires you, you know, it's just like a fuel. All right, you're about to see where I work. Here on your left, you can see a set of gates that lead to an alleyway. There are a couple of gates along here, and the ones you want have a yellow brick wall on the left and white brick wall on the right. Take a second to find them. Take your time. Uh, they're usually big bins on either side, which makes them quite recognizable. Once you've got the right gates, don't go through them. Just stand on the sidewalk and have a look down the alleyway. This alleyway leads to my studio, the Lacemaker Sweatshop. And I'm probably there right now, working with the boys and listening to crap music. I opened my studio about two years ago, and it's quite special. We only do custom work, so everything is tailored. It's like I hand fashion of the tattoo. We are open-minded to anybody coming in. There is no discrimination. We take care of you. It doesn't matter what color you are, what background you are, if you have HIV or if you don't, everybody's welcome. I made a very strong point on making it very secure for women because as a woman I've encountered a lot of sexism and sexual harassment in the industry. I spend a lot of time helping women reclaim their body. When a girl will come and she's kind of like hunched over and you can see she's not really comfortable with her body and there's some issues about self-confidence. After months and maybe years of work together, the last time that she passes the door She's standing straight and she's proud to be herself. All right, let's get moving again. As you face the alley, turn to your right and continue walking along the sidewalk, going the same way as before. That transformation shows the power a tattoo can have. A tattoo can do so much, so much that can transform someone completely and make them into a brand new person and they will walk through life with this like, wall paint it's a suit of armor that protects them against the world you know this is what fulfills me in my job it takes a lot of strength and balls to wear a big tattoo so that's why i do what i do thanks delphine okay when you reach the crossroads stop and turn to your right to face the road do you see those benches on the other side of the road we're going to cross over towards them. You should be across the road. With the benches on your right, walk all the way down this road to our final stop. Oh, and keep an eye out for street art. This road usually has some pretty incredible pieces by international artists. Bringing the artists together in one space has been incredibly enjoyable, and more and more artists and makers get involved each week. Because of that coming together, New affordable artist studios are being built across the neighbourhood that will hopefully guarantee their presence for the next generation. Look to your left across the street. See that squat red brick warehouse to the left of the two giant figures playing guitar? Well, that warehouse is going to house temporary artist studios. Thanks in part to the lobbying of our organisation, painters, photographers, set designers, illustrators and tailors will be working away inside those walls 
until they move into their new studios. Unfortunately, the new studios may not be quite as cheap as the previous spaces, but one of the key things about our organisation is that, while we'll always fight the corner of the artists, we also understand the changing nature of the city and the need to compromise where necessary. Coming up on your left is the site of former nightclub shapes. See it, with its huge brightly coloured figures? Stop when you get there. OK, stop here. The ground floor of this building is a gallery and a climbing centre. And above it are music studios, with music producers, DJs and incredible bands making records. The nightclub that was originally there got shut down. Creative Wick, our organisation, was set up for situations just like this. We brokered a deal that made sure those studios were protected. A dialogue between the developers and artists was opened up, and look what happened. Everyone worked together, and the developers included artists in their plans. They're all still there. Success. And this giant piece of street art with the two figures with guitars is by Thierry Noir. He was the first graffiti artist to start painting large works on the Berlin Wall in 1984. He painted on the Berlin Wall virtually every day for the next six years, during a period when expressions of freedom were forbidden. OK, we're going to head to our final stop now. Turn, so the giant street-up figures are on your left, and start walking in the same direction we were heading in before. Let's go. As we walk, look over to your right. You'll see Grow Bar and Bar 90, and a company called London Tradition that makes designer coats. We're approaching the end of Wallace Road. You'll see some steps ahead of you onto the canal footbridge. We're going to walk up those steps and stop when we get to the very middle of the bridge. As you climb the steps, look to your left. A large building will come into view soon, on the other side of the canal. It has a giant orange sign on it that says Here East. Do you see it? Well, during the Olympics, that building housed the world's media. And now it's used by academic institutions, TV company, dance studios and creative and digital technology companies. They're all engaged in creative technology, digital art and making. Stop here in the dead centre of the bridge over the canal. Turn to your left and look up the waterway. Here East is home to a different sort of creativity to the community we've just walked through but it's one that can hopefully add to the distinctive blend this place has. To some it represents the future of this area, but that future needs balance. We also need conventional artistic areas like the one we've just been walking through to provide culture, creativity and fun. An affordable neighbourhood that accepts people no matter what their background. The next Banksy, Damien Hurst or Adele could be here now and we need to keep them and nurture them because that's what great cities do. And recently we've had one of our biggest successes. Because of our lobbying, London City Government, the London Assembly, has named Hackney Wick as a potential site for its very first Creative Enterprise Zone. Creative Enterprise Zones are aimed at protecting live-in workspaces so that creative industries and artists are given extra support to flourish, which is potentially great news for us. Turn away from here east now and look down the canal in the other direction. I really love that view. Houseboats moored on the canal and people drinking on the decks of bars on the right. There's still a long way to go and it's a continual fight to make sure that artists' voices are heard. But I think we've made a good start. 
and we're hoping the formula we've developed can be used elsewhere, so other cities can preserve their cultural spaces. We're currently working with artists in Rio to help communities there make the most of the legacy of the 2016 Olympics. And we're also talking with communities in Seoul, in South Korea, who hosted the Games in 1988. And the stakes couldn't be much higher for our cities, really. Because if we succeed, we'll have secured a space for people to explore and discover, to create amazing and enlightening work. And it may sound grandiose, but I feel that's vital to our very humanity. So after leaving this neighbourhood today, keep an eye out for what happens to Hackney Wick. Its future's more linked with your own than you may think. Thanks for exploring my neighbourhood with me. Goodbye.